It's DV Day, and Chris Gore is joining us to talk Ninja Turtles. Olivia Munn wears the Slave Leia outfit to please our 18-34 male demographic, and I rehash memes I found on Reddit. It's Attack of the Show. Just kidding. We're talking about Unbeatable Bonzuke on game shows, I suppose. And welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. We have a fantastic episode today. Peter from Game and Read will be stopping on by as we talk unbeatable Bonzuke and do some strange fiscal challenges along the way. But before we get to that, we got to get through the news. So, first, uh, let me update you on the world of game shows it's the new segment of course i'm updating on game shows what am i saying uh karma which is kind of like a rebooted version of endurance uh makes its premiere on hbo max on june 18th uh there has been a few uh clips and previews of the show and it looks very very cool very magical even i would say that if you liked endurance imagine endurance but with a big budget uh, I really hope they keep the fire uh, effect for elimination in play. <laughs> they probably won't. Uh, next, uh, I read this on Deadline this morning. CBS Optimistic Big Brother in Love Island will air this summer. Uh, Big Brother in Love Island are two big ticket rally shows and as a holding pattern, uh, COVID-19 production shutdown. CBS is confident, however, that both non-scripted formats will air this summer a bit slightly later than originally planned. With Love Island and Big Brother, we still hope to have on the air this summer. It could be a little later than usual, but we're still optimistic about getting those on, CBS Entertainment President Kelly called Toll Deadline. Those shows turned around pretty quickly. Big Brother has live shows every week, and Love Island literally airs the night after it shoots. Those shows do not have long post-processes. Big Brother generally starts airing at the end of June. Uh, it's celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Launched July 5th, 2000, making it the second longest-running adaptation of the Dutch format following the Spanish version. However, uh, given the lockdown in L.A. where the show airs, <coughs> 22nd season of the Evergreen format is unlikely a filming will be able to begin before mid to late summer. Uh, so one of the curious traits of Big Brother, which essentially isolates its contestants, was the fact that in a number of international con- ter- territories, contestants had no knowledge of coronavirus as it was causing destruction around the world. Uh, Love Island was originally planned to begin airing May 21st. We talked about this on the show. First season of the show uh, was filmed in a villa in Fiji. CBS and ITV are understood to be exploring other locations, including domestic areas, and when filming will be able to be back up and running. Uh, so, I, I, I don't want to really like speak ill, 
But I, I mean, I understand we need to get productions. I understand game shows. All these people need work, and and like this is a industry. This is a job. But at the same time, I don't trust Love Island or Big Brother, and I love both those companies a lot to handle it safely. And I don't mean like they're not going to try, but I got to think every precaution to keep people safe and if they can keep it up in the span of it. You got to assume, even if it's like a love island, so everyone's on an island, you've already tested everyone for weeks to make sure they are they're, they don't have it, they're asymptomatic. Then they're put in these hotels. Then they have to do these challenges. Now, do any of the crew members have it? They have to be all be tested. Any of the locations, are they tested? The host, does, do they have it? Uh, then when it comes to tape and you go into the post-production suite, can you make sure that's... Like, there's a lot of things going in my head that it's not just the contestant safety, it's crew members as well. And to me, like, that's the more important part of this, too. I mean, the contestants, they'll be safe. Like, if they do a Big Brother this season, you can only hope that they didn't get it before entering the house. None of them. And you tested them. Because then they're stuck. They're good in quarantine for a bit. But then when they get after the house... Who is the person picking them up to take them to the hotel room? Who's like, if are they going to do a live audience if if they're doing a Big Brother? Is there going to be a live audience for an audience eviction, or is it going back to the old school Julie Chen days of they walk out the door and enter the weird patio furniture room? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to be a good idea. They canceled the Canadian Big Brother because of this. I don't. I think. CBS really just wants the show because they kind of guaranteed for advertisers this is our big show and they're not going to deliver if this is the case. And I would rather keep the crew safe and have it be like a winter season or a safer season or guarantee safety instead of like just flat out just put them all in the house whatever keep it like it's normal. Um... there's a good chance uh but this is not the flu you can't just like get someone sick and then make sure everyone else is sick this is worse than that and uh it's too much of a liability that i would not take that risk uh but maybe cbs doesn't have faith in game on uh her, uh, why don't you just air like an old, like best of Big Brother season? I know that's what they're going to try and do uh, in the UK, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, next, in the exciting world of baking, uh, cookies, cupcakes, and cakes fill each episode of Food Network's new competition series, Big Time Bake with Buddy Velastro, the cake boss himself. After winning the most recent season of the Ultimate Baking Brawl, Buddy vs. Duff, Buddy is now judging some of the best bakers from across the country to the test in nonstop dessert competition in Big Time Bake. On June 8th, with only six hours, the bakers must bake creative cookies, decadent cupcakes, and a showpiece cake, all inspired by a surprise theme. Clock never stops, even during the judging, as Buddy and the guest judges visit each baker station every two hours to taste and critique their sweets. Buddy and two rotating expert judges uh, will be there, and it's a big list of names. Uh, the, the, 
and they'll determine the baker's item on the bottom of the batch and we'll send them home without finishing the remaining item. It's a battle against the clock. Okay, well, that's actually clever. So it's going to be like the, the chop style, but the clock is always running. So every two hours, someone goes home. So as they're in the middle of making cookies, uh, no, 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 we're good. You're done. I like that. That's actually a new challenge on that. Um, they must strategize using their time wisely. Making big time bake. One of the most difficult competitions. Uh, in each of the six-hour episodes, four bakers, along with their assistants, must complete cookies, cupcakes, and an outstanding cake from scratch in only six hours. Baked goods must fit a special theme, from spellbinding magical confections to tasty treats that transport the judges to another realm, and to desserts that deep dive into the deep, the blue seas. Every two hours, budding guest judges... Oh, you're just reading the list. At the fourth hour of the competition, the cupcakes are due, and then the time competition will run out for the bomb baker. The two bakers remaining in two hours left till six hours are up. They must rush to finish their masterpiece cakes. I'm glad there's not a lot of uh, puns. Usually those those make me bad. Other than uh, determine the baker's item on the bottom of the batch and we'll send them home without finishing their remaining items. I like it. I mean, that sounds like a new uh, way of doing a simple bake show. Um sure we'll go with it uh still no word on epic game show uh we've been talking about that for i don't know last year like year at this point one year we've been talking about epic game show they filmed it they air and they do promos it's coming in february it's coming in april it's coming in may and i no word yet so i'm gonna let to believe uh we're just never gonna see see the show uh next Big Brother is returning to Channel 4, sort of also by deadline. Uh, They're going to do a best of 10-part celebration on the show's 20th anniversary in the UK. Broadcasters Youth Network E4 have commissioned the Inable Shine Group, company initial to make Big Brother colon best shows ever show, with Davina McCall and Ryan Clark Neal to reflect their favorite moments from the entertainment juggernaut. Uh, Channel 4 premiered theirs in 2000, which uh, launched the careers of new breed celebrity and provided new train ground for some UK's top TV execs. Um, it was axed in, on Channel 4 in 2010. It got picked up to Channel 5 and ran until 2018 uh, with Ryland uh, presenting the lineup. Uh, I lived in love, Big Brother, for 11 years. Now a week goes by. Well, no, it was Emma. Emma Wilson, Willis also hosted it. Uh, nobody goes by when we don't quote Big Brother in some form. Made me laugh, made me cry. Most importantly, taught me to never judge a book by its cover. I love the show full of my heart, and I can't wait to share it with a whole new audience. See, I like this idea. I like kind of like, well, you can't, re- we're not bringing back Big Brother. They're not doing Big Brother this year. Obviously, they're not doing Big Brother this year. The, I think the house got demolished recently. The, their Big Brother house got demolished. Uh, the L Street Studios house is gone. So this is kind of like a cool, like, hey, I know it's been two years, but remember Big Brother? Like, hey, do you remember Nasty Nick incident? And hey, do you remember uh, when Jedward was on? Like, stuff like that. Um, Do you remember when that person had a meltdown and had a huge anxiety crisis to the point of getting kicked out of the house? That was funny. Ha ha ha. That's what we're going to see on uh, the best of, which I think is fun. And it got me thinking... Why doesn't CBS just do that? Like, they also have 20 years of Big Brother. And imagine doing 20 episodes of the best of Big Brother celebration. You have, 
you can do each week a different version of Big Brother. You can do like a 20-part series like, hey, this is like the first two episodes. And then like we had to talk 9-11. It was impactful. Then three, four, five. We introduced the power of veto. Uh, seven, eight, like the All-Stars, the first All-Stars season. Uh, then we go into like, well, these were when we did alliances. This is when we did the uh, Battle of the Block competition. This is something like that could kind of work. And then like have a here's your favorite comps contest. Like, hey, remember the dice contest? Or, hey, remember when we did the Celebrity Big Brother? Remember that Tom Green was on it? That was fun. Something like that could work. But, um... I, I don't I, I think CBS is just too focused on we gotta create a new version of our familiar format right now than celebrate the show, which would be a better thing right now, especially when you consider its anniversary. I wish they did that with Survivor, but right before doing Winners at War. Like let's celebrate each of these victories before we do it. And they're no I think because they don't want to show the show aged. And I think that's the only fear a lot of these TV execs have is if you say, yeah, this is a show from 20 years ago, they're going to be like, whoa, oh no. Because that's going to make our show seem old, not for kids. And we want to make this look cool and fresh. And it's like, well, everyone's on the internet now. What, what, what do you want? Just celebrate the legacy that is Survivor and Big Brother Looks like Channel 4 is about to do that. And I want to revisit, like, Nikki sitting in the diary room going, Who is she? Who is she? I like that. Like, moments like that made me laugh so hard. And I want to see, like, that in the U.S. version. I want to see the best of Zingbot, volumes 1, 2, and 3. Give me something. Give me some of that. I don't want to just go to CBS All Access and, and like, rewatch all of, like, season 5 or season 6. Just give me like a best of compilation to fill in the void for the summer because of this because of these unprecedented times like that's it. Uh, anyway, I guess we can now celebrate some big wins, right? Uh, so uh, uh, if you've been seeing Survivor Winners at War, they finished it up last week. And congratulations to Tony. Tony, you have won $2 million, which makes you win $3 million and makes you the biggest winner in Survivor history. Uh, their finale was done through Zoom call. Now, like everything else. Uh, next, uh, if you saw American Idol on Sunday, uh, Sam, just Sam, won Idol in the final five which was kind of weird i never really knew it was like that was the finale by the way i was watching american idol i'm like okay so we're near the finale so this is like okay we're near the end this is going to be like the last five and then i'll do like three like a double elimination episode and then i'll do a two and it'll get to one no this is flat like we have five people one's the winner i was shocked i was like what okay okay um Real truncated season, if you ask me. Think about what they could have done if they just did once a week, like they used to, instead of these like uh, weird quadruple elimination shows. Uh, but hey, congrats to Sam! You won the Idol season uh, that is almost the perfect emulation of that 
uh, yeah, Disney Orlando when you do the American Idol experience, where if you win the show, you get a video reference of uh, judges going, great job, go you, you did it, and former Idol winners, too, going, yeah, way to go, you. Because <laughs> to me, I feel like that's the most disappointing part of Idol, is if you win that show, like, you're not, you, I thought you win a recording contract. Does Sam still get that recording contract? I, they never really go into that anymore. Uh, especially now, it's like, uh, does he get, does she get like an agent? Does she get like management? Something. What did she get, cash? Does she get money? Or is it just kind of like, uh, you just stay at place. Thank you for wasting our time. You won. You won a trophy. I don't know anymore. But, uh, Hey, you know, people are famous through YouTube videos. They've been singing in their ho- homes for years and get big. I mean, look at Chance the Rapper. Uh, so, hey, anything goes. Good luck. Wasn't it the Biebs? Bieber was that, too. Uh, so, congrats. And in the other singing show, the the one that is called The Voice, the one that wins the awards, the other, sometimes better, uh, singing show, uh, Todd Tilling, man, I, I screw that up. I'm not going to edit this, not edit this part. Todd, Todd won. Blake, Blake's dude, Todd won. Uh, I watched the finale tonight. I mean, to me, that just feels more real. That feels like a Skype call, <laughs> like webcams, silliness. And then they just overlaid videos, which is like, yeah, I could see why we're there. We're going with this. It felt no different than like a Twitch stream to me. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, that uh, I was happy for Todd winning that. Like, okay, he was my guy. I like the fact he won. Uh, so sometimes I get happy when someone wins. I think they get a cash prize in a singing thing too. But once again, much like Sam, I don't know what happens. A lot. Uh, also, CeeLo Green returned. That was that was fun to see CeeLo return and Shakira. It's almost as if we want to bring back CeeLo Green in some regard. Some, some, just throwing it out there. Maybe they're throwing CeeLo uh, a life vest. Uh, so, uh, this week, uh, as of this recording, the finale of The Masked Singer is happening. Uh, I don't know who wins. Uh, but if I'm going to take a prediction, this is my prediction. I might be wrong. I'm going to say the winner of season three of The, of, um, of, uh, the Masked Singer is going to be The Turtle. The turtle is going to win the Masked Singer. Uh, the punk turtle-looking character. Then they're going to open the costume, and it's going to reveal it's Jesse McCartney. You forgot who Jesse McCartney is? Uh, he was the singer in Dream Street. Down on Dream Street! And uh, he's also a voice actor. He plays the voice of Robin and Nightwing in Young Justice. So to me, I think that's also a personal win to that, because then I can say... In two consecutive seasons of The Masked Singer, a game show host in Nightwing won a show. <laughs> so then, like, I, I can feel happy about, like, a personal victory to me. I can say a game show host in Nightwing won a singing competition show and feel better about myself because, hey, it's parasocial. I don't know. Uh, so that that's my prediction. I, I sealed it in, locked it in. It's the turtle that's going to win. It's Jesse McCartney. Uh, there'll be an after show. Oh, no, no, Ultimate Tag's premiering tomorrow. There won't be an after show. Oh, well. C- congratulations to Jesse McCartney. Uh, <laughs> anyway, 
I guess we should get through today's episode. Japanese game shows. I know, it's become a cliche. Oh, those Japanese and their wacky game shows and people getting hurt, blah, 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 blah. Look, like, to me, like, Japanese game shows aren't really that far-fetched. Uh, I've been watching, a, I've been trying to watch a lot of Japanese television. Because I, I like to be an international television watcher. So, yeah, I watch American shows, but then I try to watch what's in Canada, what's in Mexico, what's in Australia, what's in New Zealand, what's in Korea, what's in Japan, what's in uh, Netherlands, what's in Germany, what's in France, and, and try and figure out, like, what is the culture of these countries in the form of the television shows that they watch? And not just game shows, although it is part of the podcast, and hey, to me, I feel like that's that I should be paid for that. I, I I'm an international connoisseur of game shows. The the Lettres en Ombre, the the countdown of France. Hey, look at that. But back to game shows. Now, some of these shows that Japan makes, yeah, they're really silly. Takeshi's Castle, we talked about that. But to me, when I look at Japanese game shows, I always look at, well, that's going to end up in America in like 20 years. Takeshi's Castle became MXC here, but people, when they looked at Wipeout when it first began, they called it an MXC knockoff. And wouldn't that kind of just tell you where we've been with slapstick shows? Now, slapstick in, in game shows is not nothing new. It's a knockout. It was a big show in the UK, for instance. So then we got to look at, like, the fear shows, like Fear Factor. Oh, no, they're going into a, a tank full of crocodiles. Oh, and it got me thinking, like, wait, no, they kind of did this on Endurance in Japan in the 80s, the world's most dangerous game show. They... They've done this before. It's just they're more advanced into it. Without a doubt, there will be a show where you're going to see some naked bare ass on TV. In fact, you did. You probably saw Total Blackout once, right? Remember Total Blackout on Sci-Fi with J.L. White? I have. Maybe I'm the only one who's seen it. I don't know. Uh, so game shows are nothing really like far-fetched in the world of, of Japan. But we always like to have that stereotype of look how wacky they are, like Isaro the Japanese game show or Japanese going going gong, which may or may not just be cultural appropriation mixed with stereotypes, which might be very gross. But we'll talk about that on that episode. 
No, uh, we usually when we see a Japanese game show, we kind of get mesmerized because it's usually a variety format where some slapstick happens and we get silly because it's celebrities falling down. And now you have that going on with League of Their Own and Game On on CBS that I don't know what makes us any different than that. Um, and it got me thinking of the Internet I grew up on the internet. I'm one of the few. I'm the millennial, the kid that grew up on the World Wide Web, Usenets, alt, alt networks, uh, message boards, and then social media. And it, it's like I remember when it's like you go to Break.com, and that's when you saw Human Tetris, and that became a hole in the wall because a YouTube video hole hole in the wall because of the Human Tetris segment on a Variety Show. And now with this, this is its own show. Uh, Unbeatable Bonzuke, uh, which was this huge show that was in G4 originally, but I remember when it was just like weird clips that were very, very badly uploaded online of different stunts for bikes and unicycles, and they were really cool. Now, it's hard for me to find the originals of these, and to me, that's the biggest disappointing when doing this episode was just that feeling of nostalgia trying to find that original, like, 320 by 240 clip that was like a dot mp4 file uh that you can watch on an ipod video or at the very least you know a break.com video with like heavy pixelization maybe a real media file i don't know um but abila bonzuke is a rare phenomenon because this comes from the 90s and i think a lot of people misunderstand the show it's a sports-themed challenge show, but we did that here in the States in the 90s, too. Uh, to me, I see the show as no different than the the big moment, and uh, it's your chance of a lifetime. Or the moment of truth, sorry. The moment of truth in the UK, where it was like, if you can do this one simple thing, you win the big prize. Uh, or the big moment, where if you can like do the tablecloth thing, you win the prize. Like, to me, that's what... This show is in that same realm. It's the impossible challenge to win the prize. And here it's skill-based, based on some sports. And it's also based on weird obstacle courses. And this is the precursor to a game show we've already talked about, American Ninja Warrior. If it wasn't for this show, you wouldn't get Ninja Warrior. You wouldn't get the American Ninja Warrior franchise. So everything ties back to this original format that was become the sister show of G4. We'll go to commercial. Oh, hurry up, man. Boss is coming in. Dude, almost got it. Hey, guys. Finished testing that game yet? I've got another one I need designed. We just finished level three and need to tighten up the graphics a little bit. Great. Hey, I can't believe we got jobs doing this. I know. And my mom said I would never get anywhere with these games. So yeah, that's a for-profit university, and you should never use that. But besides that, because of its success on G4, it finally ended up in higher quality than what we saw on the internet. And made perfect sense. Whoever was the exec that decided, hey, you know, Unbeatable Bonzuke, it basically made Ninja Warrior. Let's put that show next to this. It made perfect sense and was great. Uh, people got to see it with fresh eyes and they got to enjoy a show that was a bit changed of the original, but I'm getting a hold of myself. This was to Japanese television what American Gladiators was to America. This was the ultimate test of skill, strength, and was a 
pseudo sports based game show. And because of the challenges, it makes for gripping television that I, when you rewatch, you will enjoy. So join me, won't you, as I bring in Peter from the podcast Game and Read to stop by and let's turn the tables. Hello, everybody. Uh, with me on the line from Game and Read, friend of the show, Peter. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. It's almost as if this was like our second or third attempt at an uh, episode. <laughs> yes, well, we'll see if the internet holds up for us this time so that we can really spread the word about uh, Unbeatable Banzuke, a 20-year-old beautiful Japanese game show. Yes, we are talking about Unbeatable Banzuke today, which is a fascinating thing, because most of the time when you see it just clips through YouTube, uh, that was one of those precursor kind of, here's some weird Japanese game show, and it went viral, and then they just kept uh, playing with it, uh, and it got me thinking, like, when people think Japanese game show, they think, oh, those crazy Japanese game shows, slapstick funny, and people in costumes getting hurt, ha <laughs> ha. And it's like, well, no, those are usually like variety show segments. Like those are usually like comedians doing practical jokes. And it's like that'd be equivalent if this this entire podcast was just devoted to Jimmy Fallon segments. Like it doesn't work that way. Right. This is this is a show where people who are just everyday folks who happen to have a specific type of skill or a challenge they want to try can can go up against a rather difficult scenario where they have to use their skill or talent. Uh, and it's kind of uh, fascinating uh, because uh, this is an off. This is the precursor to Ninja Warrior. So we've already talked about American Ninja Warrior before on the show. We talked about it with Scott Benson from Nine in the Woods. Uh, and it was a fu- it was a lot of fun. Uh, so that's one of those, hey, maybe check that episode too if you're interested in this episode. But uh, something about this show is basically American Ninja Warrior uh, or Ninja Warrior in general. It's just on Bill Bonzuke, but with a larger course. This is all pretty much in studio. <laughs> yes, and instead of just running the course, you got to do a obstacle course or a challenge under a specific skill like, say, mountain biking or unicycling. Which have been the ones that have gone viral. Uh, Kinaku Banzuke uh, premiered October 14th, 1995 over on, uh, I believe it was mistaken, I think that was on uh, TV Tokyo, maybe TBS. Um, yeah, I think I think it was TBS and like the sports block or something like that. I, I, I don't know, I'm unfamiliar with the Japanese like TV names. I'm like, uh, they have their own TBS. Yeah, it's very funny. Their Tokyo Broadcasting <laughs> System. <laughs> Number one show there is Family Guy repeats. Um, <laughs> Turner somehow doesn't own it yet. <laughs> can't can't wait to watch some uh, AEW Dynamite at the same. Uh, anyway, so so if you've never seen the show, and I mean most of the time you just saw clips from the show, and it's somewhat like it. I couldn't find a raw Japanese episode to view before this episode, so I don't know what's an open and shut episode. Um, all yeah. you get is UK clips, which is just kind of just a guy screaming at you about obstacles, <laughs> or you yeah. get the Ninja Warrior stylization from the G4 network. 
Yes, that's the one I'm more familiar with. <laughs> as much as I like Brian Blessed, uh, <laughs> all we get is uh, the G4 network, which is great when you see the G4 logo and then you see on the bottom left corner, hey, new episodes of Attack of the Show. <laughs> right. Well, and one of the things that really surprised me when I was looking into this a little bit more in depth was that so the, uh, the the Japanese host of the G4 version of this, I thought it was just actual episodes from Japan when I was 13 and watching. No. That's not true at all. It's completely repackaged. And the Japanese host they have is just, he's a Japanese, like, born and raised actor who moved to L.A. and just basically seems to play roles where he needs to be a native Japanese speaker. No, no oh, Romy Kanda is what you're talking about. The, that guy is not just, he wears, like, a sports broadcasting jacket and headphones. And he's also plays the Japanese game show host on the discontinued ABC reality game show, I Survived the Japanese Game Show. Yes, yeah. He just, like, pops up anytime he's like, yo, American production, do you need somebody who's actually Japanese? I live here. And it works. And then I go, ha, Maji Day. Uh, and it's, it's fun because he just speaks fluent Japanese. They subtitle him. And it's always like, hey, here's next. It's the, uh, here here comes the uh, super rider, or here is the uh, hand walk. And it's... Yeah, he just, <laughs> he just sets it all up, and then they just play clips. It's like YouTube the TV show before YouTube really took off, because I guess this was, you know, if YouTube took off 2005, 2006, a little bit, a little bit around then. And it just, it's like, here's like a four to five minute clip of the show, uh, which I, I will assume is not really the full version of Unbeatable Banzuke. I can pretty much take a guess what it is. They just did the clip show version, where it's usually two to three attempts at one of the obstacles, and they treat it like American Ninja Warrior. Can they complete these eight obstacles uh, and usually some sort of uh, craft? So, for instance, uh, one was, I believe, with poles, like stilts. Yes. Uh, there's one with... Uh, the unicycle. There's one with a BMX bike, which is the one that I think went viral because that's when Trials-style uh, gaming went all the rage and when Trials kind of grew internationally. Uh, and then my favorite is handstand. It's just people doing a handstand. Because <laughs> it's a simple thing. It's just you're standing on your hands. If your feet touch the floor, you lose. Like, that's it. I know, but even if they fail, it's so impressive that they are good enough at handstands. They think they can do this. If they're just like, yes, I can just hold myself in a handstand and actually propel myself forward, pretty much no problem. That is just in incomparably impressive to me. And uh, other than like those, which we'll, I guess we'll get into more in depth, like there has been, there's the uh, a, like a quick test of strength, which is just kind of like how many like sit ups can you do in a setting. Uh, different like ch challenges based on muscle ranking, which is what Kinaku Banzuke means. Uh, right. I would say a few of my favorites that I think are really at least unique to Banzuke and my understanding of it are the uh, the Banzai challenge and the Daruma challenge. Uh, the Banzai challenge being it's a team challenge, so it's a team of like six people, and they have these suspended poles up in the air. Uh, and they have to throw their teammates up to the poles, and then the teammates all have to hold on to the poles within, like, a two-minute time limit. And it is 
hilarious because they just have to like figure out how to fireman toss somebody like eight feet into the air and then as they keep going they have one less person to actually throw people up and then those people hanging on just are holding on for their dear life for like three minutes to try and win that's <laughs> that's yeah that sounds about right uh the bonsai 90 uh and it's all colorful and all you gotta do is get all four logs that's the whole goal yeah, it seems so easy until you realize throwing people is difficult. And it's very heavy. Uh, there's also the giant ball, where it was basically oh. like, what a fake super monkey ball. Like, you had to like move, maneuver a giant ball. Oh, okay, where they're in the hamster ball. Yeah. Well, because I know that uh, what actually ended up getting them um, canceled, it seems, was that they had a kind of like a giant faux boulder thing, where two people basically hurt their spines severely. Uh, in like the same day of filming, the Power Island. Yes, uh, there was uh, basically there was it's called Power Island. Uh, they had to catch a giant ball from a fifteen degree slope and then push the ball back up the slope. So it's kind of like you know an atlas kind of thing. Uh, but along the way, there's different obstacles, different uh, moves, and then someone like smacked their neck, which is kind of also uh, how someone died on Wipeout. By the way. <laughs> Same, same injury. Yeah, giant balls just are not a good idea. They seem like fun until somebody gets pinned behind one or underneath one. Uh, and it's like a frown. It's a very depressing thought because it's like all they had to do was just like scrap that challenge and then do something else. So I'm led to believe if I have to like do assumptions because remember, I've never seen a full Japanese raw episode. Each mm -hmm. episode is self-contained into one obstacle. So this week we're doing the stilts. Uh. This week we're doing the uh, unicycle, and we got to. And it's played by who can do it the fastest. It's not just completing it on time; it's also completing it the fastest, kind of like American Ninja Warrior. And I think that's when they get like a, a prize of some kind. I know they'll probably get a trophy because anyone who completes it gets the Unbeatable Bonzuke trophy. Which is funny, because they called it the Bonzuke. It's like, no, that's not what it... No. <laughs> In the American version, they called it the Bonzuke. Uh, but ultimately, it's just a sports challenge. It's all sports games. It's That's the fun of it. It's just different, like, over-athletic events. Uh, yeah. So one of which that I recall uh, was Nine Hoops. And I will say, well, most of these we will laugh about with just like, haha, they fall into the stunts. And I think that's a good chunk of what we're going to be talking about today. My favorite challenge was just nine hoops, which was just here is a basketball with nine hoops, like in a three by three pattern, like tic-tac-toe, but, but in a diamond formation. And all you had to do was uh, make nine, uh, was put 12, ba with 12 balls, put one in each hoop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a very straight-up uh, sports challenge. Oh, winners of Nine Hoops were awarded with 200,000 yen, or the equivalent $2,449.63. Well, you know, I think that that's seems like an accomplishment. It's very low risk shooting basketballs compared to uh, a few of these challenges that look like they would hurt. I'm trying to look at... Uh, I'm now on the official Sasuke... Wikipedia, the Wikipedia for all of Sasuke, which includes uh, Kinaku Banzuke events. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, fandom, for delivering us all of our niche wikis. <laughs> Sometimes these come in handy because then it makes me feel smart when I really just, I'm just reading off a wiki page. 
Oh, that's they, right. They Skateboarder. I remember seeing that just once. Yeah. That one, I don't remember ever seeing when I watched this on G4, but I saw it when I was looking stuff up a couple days ago. That one was intense because they need to be able to go through this really kind of tight obstacle course of half pipes and uh, ramps and grind rails, but they're not allowed to put their feet on the ground. So they have to like get their start and then they all have to just do self-propelled movement and full-on braking without ever being able to put their foot down. And there's like one break in the middle, but before that you have to like do these like half pipe tricks and transfer half pipes and like get enough momentum to go up and through different ramps just without, you know, being able to like kick push at all. Now that looks very, and also dare dangerous too, because that's just also shown safety compliance is just, they're just going to, they fall. That's, that's a yeah. dangerous wipeout because there's a giant wedge just gashed right next to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and all these courses, like, they're really tightly built. Um, there's not a ton of, like, extra space, and there's not, like, big fall pits like there are in, you know, the more well-designed ninja courses. They're really kind of constrictive to fit on these kind of small sound stages, and it's just like, man, if you stumble, you're just going to, like, fall the and hit the pathway next to you because they're right tight next to each other. Oh, did they ever air? I'm trying to look at. I'm looking at some of these obstacles now. So, I guess I can go through all of them now. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Bonzuke uh, events uh, stage. Uh, nine hoops. Uh, bamboo derby. I'll just go through all the events. Let's just go through all the bamboo fun events. Bamboo derby then. is still walking. Still walking. Uh, the checkerboard, stepping stones, stepping stones, which later show up in. You guessed it, Ninja Warrior. Uh, yep. Stairs. Also featured in Ninja Warrior. Suspension Wait, Bird also was... featured in Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Down Staircase also featured in Ninja Warrior. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is a lot of the obstacles would later show into the big show. Right. Kind the of one thing. that I remember seeing a ton of that I don't know if it ever became a Ninja Warrior one, at least not that I remember, was the Sponge Bridge. That's where they have the giant like foam dominoes you have to run across. I mean, that's not, like but it. that's been in, like, Takeshi's Castle. That's been in MXC. That's... Oh, that's true. And I would say that's one of the fun ones. I think the only reason that's probably not used in Ninja Warrior is because with Banzuke, it's kind of like they only have, like, maybe, like, 10 contestants a day to film. And Ninja Warrior, they got, like, 100. So that would probably take too much time to reset <laughs> the dominoes. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're very breakable. Like, whenever somebody falls, you always see at least two that are totally split because they're they're made out of foam. They're meant to fall apart. Someone, some poor Japanese producer sitting there going, like, we need to buy another refrigerator so we can get more styrofoam. <laughs> uh, and then we go into Bonsai 90, which we've already talked about. That's the log grab competition where people basically have to uh, grab. Uh, there's two versions of the Bonsai 90, and the second one has never been won. Oh, the one with the, the moving poles? The moving poles. Yeah, that, that just takes an impossible challenge and makes it double impossible. <laughs> uh, Viking used this as a brain ship stage, Brain Panic. Uh, this event requires competitors to remember a series of numbers in an allotted time, then recall those numbers by writing them down. The numbers are between 0 through 9 and placed at random. There can't be more than one digit in the sequence. Uh, this event split in two, three rounds. Uh, nine contestants have three seconds. Remember, a sequence of nine numbers. Those who miss it one digit in the sequence are eliminated. The rest move on. Round two. We have five seconds with 12 digits. 
And then once again, anyone who misses are out. And then the final one, 15 digits in seven seconds. Those who win get the 200,000 yen prize. That is one of the rare games I have not I've not seen in uh, Unbeatable Banzuke, but I have seen online that is a Banzuke game, and it's kind of weird because it's like was that really a Banzuke game? Kind of like irritating stick, you know, like that. That's an also a variety format challenge, and it's like well, uh oh oh here we go. This is one of the more iconic games, Peter. Yes, the Daruma Seven, the Seven Stack. Yes. Yes, that one is one of my favorites because it's just, it's like a fun carnival game turned into a bonzuke. Go on, explain to the friends at home what this is. All right. So there is a, a large prop stump, and then there are large prop segments of log stacked on top of the stump. And then on top of all those segments, there is a, you know, a Daruma statue, the, you know, traditional Japanese little uh, totem. And. The contestant has a big mallet, and their goal is to knock off all the segments without knocking over the Daruma. And then at the end, the Daruma is supposed to be sitting right there on top of the dump with all the segments completely cleanly knocked away. And I love it because it's just like it seems like the one of the only one I could maybe maybe do and not be terrible at, or just <laughs> physically try. <laughs> since I'm not good with a unicycle or handstands or stilts or a pogo stick. And so I'm like, yeah, that seems like fun. I want to be able to just keep trying to knock these segments off. And it's just a fun, dumb game that I think is definitely requires strength of like whacking with the mallet. But a lot of it is just like hitting at the right time with enough swiftness and in the right direction that you keep the Daruma perfectly centered as it drops. I like. I just think it's it's a fun little carnival game, and plus, like that that's something that's been used in uh, Takeshi's Castle. I know they used that in even modern day variety formats. Uh, the knock down the pillar. I I'm led to assume that there is like this is also like probably a Japanese bar game too in some regards, like just like a smaller take on like a Jenga puzzle. Oh, I would definitely go to a bar that had a comically large one of these or even like a normal sized one where it's just like yeah you want to turn to try and beat this stupid thing i would be like yes i will i will buy all the beers here so i can try this as many times as possible so there you go uh all the bars of japan once uh, the quarantine's out uh i got a money-making opportunity for you <laughs> well i just want them to start sending them to chicago i need them here Chicago, hey, uh, bars of Chicago. You know, I know uh, that's where the Midways started to claim all your arcade gaming. I know a lot of, uh, <laughs> I know a lot of uh, pub games are going are recovering back. There's a lot of pool t bars. There's a lot of uh, arcade bars. A lot of shuffleboards. Why not? Just for the sake of interest, uh. A giant six-foot statuette featuring various logs and a giant hammer. Yeah, I know at least four places this place could this thing could totally fit in, and I think it'd be wonderful. the The giant Jenga trend is passe. It's overrated. It's only fun for a little bit. We need giant Daruma logs. Giant Daruma logs. I mean, it could keep. It could be foam. We don't care. It could be foam uh, logs. Yeah. No, I think they're kind of. They remind me. They honestly look kind of like if you ever go, 
I guess you wouldn't. I, I don't know what you do outside of this. I work with kids, and so sometimes you'll go to like a children's museum, and they'll have like those big fun playground areas that look like different things. They look like big play log pieces that are probably kind of firm but cushiony enough where it's yes. like a kid can kind of uh, roll around on them. They, that's what I kind of picture they're made out of. A lot of uh, foam. Uh, I would say like a nice plush foam. I would say like if, if I had to assume, it would be like kind of. Some, I mean, like I know that things like Let's Make a Deal have something similar that's just a giant foam squishy disc for for some of their games. Uh, but yeah, go to a children's museum and see what physics games they have there. A giant ball uh, is another challenge. Uh, five obstacles. They have to stand on the giant ball uh, and move the ball <laughs> through five obstacles. Oh, God. <laughs> that's the one I would have probably tried just because it's just funny because that's just Wipeout. Um... <laughs> Then the instant, and then the famous hand walk. Yeah, uh, it looks like they tried to things like, like parallel bars, stairway to heaven, bottomless ravine, devil's double bridge, a break zone, uh, craggy mountain, stairway to hell. <laughs> they go downstairs, not up. Uh, Shinzo Yabori no Usaka, uh, which is uh, apparently just uh, assuming you must walk up a steep slope, a nice steep slope. That's what causes people to wipe out constantly. And it just develops and grows and grows from there. Uh, there's an obstacle in the handwalk just called moon. <laughs> I have nothing about it, but I'm curious what the moon is. Oh, they had to turn a star and cross two parallel lines. Oh, that's why. Like, they want to make it look like space. Okay. Uh, kangaroo is the pogo stick challenge. Were you a pogo stick kid at all? I could never figure it out. I, I've always wanted one, but it was like, no... I couldn't. I I never had even a trampoline. I never even had moon. Sh I had moon shoes though. <laughs> but well, those was, are the kid-powered anti-gravity shoes. Yes, I was like a guts kid where you had the moon shoes, then you would walk with them, then you trip, and then you never wear them again. Oh well, man, did you did you want to win those on some slime time live competition? I I wanted to find uh I wanted to find Gerard from uh, Hey Arnold between the numbers one through nine, and uh, all I got was Helga. And <laughs> and Harold and I and and a pie in the face and that ruined my day and uh, and, and Dave Ace was just kept screaming power. at me like no that's not what we're looking for <sighs> oh well <laughs> anyway kick target is uh one that I would say is uh one of the other like just how nine hoops was basketball themed kick target was a interesting challenge for soccer fans. Uh, also not really shown in the G4 version, uh, but one that's played for fun is they get essentially, uh, nine targets and they gotta kick a ball through each of the targets. Yeah, this is just like a Mario Party game, but in real life. Which I want. I want more Mario Party in real life. I want, I want Bowser yeah. Revolution in real life. <laughs> the good news is nobody will get hurt with this one i like the ones where it's just like oh good nobody's gonna snap their neck trying this <laughs> no one will snap their necks there might be like a, a, a twisted ankle because it's still soccer balls but other than that <laughs> uh like a perio i don't know so, why they would say that but that's the unicycle challenge yeah so i looked this up because i was just like what is a piro i i have no idea and apparently it is named after, like, an archetype of French pantomime. So it's, like, the uh, the, the white kind of mime-looking person that's got, like, the big poofy buttons and then, the like, the pointy cone hat. 
that's a Pierrot. They look kind of like, um, I know some Final Fantasy games have the juggler class. They look like that. They just have like this pointy cone hat and they're just mine clowns. But I guess Japan knew what a Pierrot was, so they named their unicycle challenge after that. And you just get through the uh, thrill. Now, I would say this one's the fun, most fun to watch is the unicycle challenge. Oh, yeah. Uh, they really theme it well. There's like hammers. Uh, there's uh, fake foam axes. There's a giant. You gotta there's like... just a giant. Uh, there's also one that's just like here's like a thin, like tight, like like almost like maybe like two inches long beam, but it's right around flowers to make it look like French. <laughs> uh, and I thought that was really fun. Uh, yeah. Have you ever Have you ever tried riding a unicycle? Uh, a friend of mine had a unicycle. I could only hang on to it for maybe like a second. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, the reason this is so impressive is because I have also tried briefly to ride a unicycle when I was working at a uh, circus camp. Um, but it is honestly so incredibly difficult to the point where there was one counselor who kind of knew how to do it, and they were in charge of trying to teach a bunch of kids of how to do it. And there were maybe two kids at the end of the summer who figured it out a little bit. And then if you take that and turn that into do an obstacle course with it, I don't I don't know how you get to that point. I don't know how you get from even just figuring out this terrible way of getting around and then turn it into like, oh, yeah, I can also avoid hammers hitting me with it. <laughs> and then, like, it becomes this, like, I guess you should probably just do juggling then, right? Stick to juggling, do acrobatics. I would just, yeah, you know juggling. What? Just do acrobatics instead of the... <laughs> I think about American Ninja Warrior, probably safer than the unicycle course. Um, so this is one that is uh, the Cat Cart Challenge, also known as Neko de Drive. Uh, very tasteful, very uh, progressive. Uh, people love it. You basically have to maneuver a lady in a cat girl costume in a cat wheelbarrow through different obstacles and not knock over you nor the the lady. This is one I could actually attempt. <laughs> yeah, the pick it, it's a balance beam obstacle. Uh there's a thing called the and it, it was like the most cartoonish looking thing. My favorite obstacle with this was basically the donut loop, which is just you have to go through one complete circle with a little hole in the side. So remember you touch the floor, you lose. And it's just, yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, that's very clever. They made it look like a cat. So everything was a little, honey, honey I shrunk the kids giant. <laughs> uh, so now, I, and I think the fact that they had to put a person on there is, I, so I guess they were working as a team. So if the person on the wheelbarrow lost balance, they would also lose. Yes. So it's a pairs game. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I could definitely test this with my uh, my wife, but she would probably get mad if I did anything that just dumped her out onto the floor. It's okay. There's little pools of milk, too, so it'll be very funny. Because <laughs> it's cats. You know, cats love milk. I would say this one is probably the most, like, Japanese variety show style game, where it feels, like, very inconsequential. There's no good way to train for it, and it's just kind of funny and weird. <laughs> Uh, and then we got to Oto uh, 9, where they must balance on a metal pole on two fingers, which is just a rare balancing act. Uh, so, you know that game, like, sometimes you're bored. It, like, if you're if you're a teacher, you know, you have your yardstick, and you're just balancing on your finger for a bit. Mm-hmm. 
there's a game where you balance that on your finger and then you have to go through different obstacles as well. Right, but it's like a two meter long metal rod. Yeah, <laughs> and it's such a... And they make it... And I would say that's like the closest I could think of like irritating stick on this show because they even have like a wire beam and they even have like, don't touch this little metal area. And I like that. I think that's like always very fun to, to see is some little challenge like that. Cause you know, it's like, cause this is all, and because more carnival games too. Yeah. Well, uh, and the fun thing with this one is that they get to put all the obstacles high up. So it's like, yeah, there's like some narrow spaces you have to pass through, but a lot of it is like, oh, you just walk through this platform, but you have to guide the stick through like a swooping curve. Uh, Power Island, which we talked about, uh, which was a yeah. multi-part obstacle. Obviously, they were trying to do something for like the American Ninja Warrior crowd, the Ninja Warrior Sasuke group. And it looks to me like they were trying to go for something that was more Indiana Jones themed, and it's like an outside course. Uh, yeah, that's there's nothing really much because that's the last course they had before they said no, thank you. <laughs> uh, Too many people breaking their necks. Oh jeez, there's Punch Out, which is bowling. Huh. Wonder how they got to that name. Uh, uh well, uh, Glass Joe, uh. You, you had uh, a dream, dream kid. What was it? What's the fake? Not Mike Tyson. Uh, oh, Mr. Dream. Mr. Dream. Uh, you had. Uh, all right. Oh, okay. The three trying uh, nine lanes for the final lane. Which? Oh, okay. So this was worth two million yen. It had ten lanes. Punch Out was a bowling game, and the idea was you had to knock out uh, only select pins. So it was like a skill shot challenge. Hmm. I mean, that sounds tough, but probably not that interesting to watch. That's probably why it was never shown in America. <laughs> then there's the quick muscle. Uh, they have to do as many push-ups as possible in three minutes. Uh, Fun! <laughs> so that's the quick muscle champion. is just a push-up contest for, for the audience. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to gym class, the game show. Gym class, the game show. Uh, you know, it, it might not surprise anybody. Uh, but Saitama, the One Punch Man, won the <laughs> Quick Muscle Challenge uh, in record time. Uh, <laughs> the the final of the very first one was three hundred push-ups. Oh God! So <laughs> that's a whole three days workout for him. That's that's three days of working out, and that's not even including the running or the uh, skateboard, <laughs> which we've already talked about, which is this very narrow skateboard track. Uh, did I like a lot of half pipes? I was really cool. Uh, this was clearly uh, the skateboard challenge. Clearly showed up in the late '90s when skateboarding started becoming a global phenomenon again with things like Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the X Games effect. The X. I'm surprised they didn't just call it Extreme Unbeatable Bonzuke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did like that challenge partially because. So in a lot of these competitions, they'll have people from kind of different walks of life. They'll be like, oh, here's a dentist who does stilt walking and he's going to wear his dental scrubs. The skateboarding challenge was exclusively like skater teenager kids. So just imagine like a skater kid from the late 90s in America, but they're Japanese, but they're wearing all the same clothes. So they've got like the really kind of like baggy, like skate cargo pants. And the only thing that I think would differentiate them from you know, a lot of skaters in America is that they were all wearing helmets on the TV show. Safety to, uh, first. Be safe. <laughs> uh, the bridge. So, 
the sponge bridge, which we've already talked about, uh, apparently there's three different types of sponge. Uh, with three zones, green, yellow, and red. Uh, with each zone, the uh, the the bridge of dominoes is very is that many gaps, making it easy to pass. And with each passing zone, the gaps get bigger and bigger. Uh, in Sponge Bridge One, there were sixty-three of these little dominoes uh, in a straight path. Then the yellow zone, it's rounded at the top, so there was like a little angle making it so you lose your balance easily. And then the red zones, the boards were functioning like steps, so you had to step up. Uh, in the second version, uh, it was a descending counterclockwise bridge. Uh, and then the third. <laughs> And the third one, even though it was never defeated, this was the final event to air on the American version was the Sponge Bridge. The only part where competitors appeared to be allowed to skip boards was this Sponge Bridge. There is one for baseball called Struck Out. And yes... I don't remember ever seeing that one. It, it's Okay, so you know Nine Hoops? <laughs> what if that... But once again, you got to knock out the numbers one through nine. Wow, with with a bat or with throwing the baseball? Throwing the baseball. The bat would be pretty hard. Throwing the okay. baseball from a pitcher's mound. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a fun skills challenge if you're at, like, the All-Star game. Uh, probably not the best for, you know, a, a primetime TV game show. Unless it was, like, you're an amateur baseball player and it's like, we're getting three of them for one special challenge. Uh, Super Rider is the one that I I think this is the one that you have said, Peter, is one of your favorites. This is the mountain bike. This is the last one. Super Rider. Yes. Yeah. Super Rider is, I mean, it's similar to the unicycle, except everything's a little bit wider. And obviously they can, you know, I I mean, there's never really a pedaling aspect to it. But just watching somebody perfectly know how to like stay like balanced and steady without moving on a bicycle is I don't know how you do that, let alone how you then then take your bike and hop with you still on it uh, across multiple like platforms with you know two foot gaps in between them. Um, but it is it is quite impressive uh, to watch because it's not even like BMX bikes; they're straight up mountain bikes um, designed for I guess that terrain. I don't think they had any specific BMX situation with like the actual like little trick bikes. Yeah, it was no all trick these bikes. Uh, these mountain. Yeah, just mountain bikes. Uh, and some of the challenges, uh, such as going up a hill, going down a hill. And my favorite, essentially, they have to sit on top of a ball and use their bike and momentum to position themselves from one end of the plot to another. Almost like the uh, the double dare hamster wheel. <laughs> uh, but it's shaped like the globe. And I'm like, that's clever. And I think they call it, like, just Earth. And it's like, they could have come up with something fun, like you're on top of the world or... But it happens. Um, also, be sure to watch X-Play Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock on <laughs> G4. Sweet! I love X-Play, especially when they rerun old episodes from four years prior. It's the new debut of Madden 99. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was G4. What a, what a channel. It was a clever. Had, had, I mean, we could delve into G four for a bit. Yeah, like it was a clever. It's like it was ahead of the curve. A video game channel. It was. There was no channel more dedicated to the things I wanted to watch. Yet I could not watch it for several years because it wasn't in my cable package. It, it's like video games. This was at the peak of when video games became booming, and it was like nowadays with Twitch and everything's esports and like let's plays. It's or, or even just talking about video games in general. 
like uh, a channel where you can you know learn about cheat codes gaming news interviews with developers here's the best cutscenes in video games uh it, it was a fascinating concept and it's like this was so ahead of the curve and then suddenly G4 Tech TV decided, well, what if we just, you know, did the whip set? And what if we put in this? <laughs> and then it dwelled into, well, Spike TV's big. Well, geek culture loves mainly shit. So let's just have, uh, <laughs> let's just have cheaters reruns and cops. Oh, God. And it was yeah, getting- well, I mean. When it was still G4, they did play a lot of cops, I remember. But they did also, they, I mean, personally introduced me to one of my favorite animes in that they were played Full Metal Alchemist. I think that's where I saw it first, uh, was just getting to randomly watch uh, G4 at a hotel one time. And so I, I do thank them for that and, you know, getting me a little bit more interested in like, oh, what happens at an E3? I've never heard of before. Um but it is just, it is, seems like it was kind of a crapshoot of a TV channel where they just kind of kept it way too cheap and never really took off in the way that uh, the TV execs would have liked. And I think that's just like, we're not making money off this. Can we get uh, Kevin Pereira to do more stuff for us? Uh, <laughs> and, just... and didn't uh, didn't Chris Hardwick have like his comeback by being like a assistant you know, side well, person first, on the Chris Hardwick the was a, a ravaging drunk. Uh, this was right. His, yeah, this is his comeback time. <laughs> his comeback career after Shipmates was he did Wired Science for PBS, and then he did Gadget Porn on as a segment on Attack of the Show. Yes. So imagine the host of the wall go, hey, we just got this new Canon 4D camera, and it's, uh, wow, look at all the megapixels. Fascinating stuff here. And, uh, oh, look at this. It has a speed shot. And look at this. Oh, man, look at the focal length on this. It's amazing stuff. And look, the best part here is the user interface. You can easily delete uh, photos you don't like, and it's very fascinating stuff. <laughs> and then someone's like, this is funny. Uh, Chris, can you do this more? Okay, sure, I'll do, I'll do it. I mean, I don't really have much going for me. Hey, you know, uh, we really love the soup show on E! with Joel McHale. We were thinking of doing that with viral videos. Oh, you mean like what Daniel Tosh is doing? Uh, okay, well, I, I mean, I could do that too. I mean, I do love uh, viral videos. I know I love nerdy stuff. You know, I just started a website called Nerdist. You know, we talk about nerdy stuff, you know, <laughs> because I'm constantly featured on Attack of the Show. I figure I might as well do some nerd culture online as well, kind of like an extension of the show. You know, we talk about comic book movies. We talk about video games. I like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, yeah. I re- Please I not talk about it. my relationships. <laughs> Yeah, I regret uh, the the numerous hours. Not not as many as some people I spent listening to his uh, podcast that you know had an okay name that didn't really fit what they did, and then got a somehow terrible like the worst name for a podcast I've ever seen. The ID Ten T podcast. You see, it says idiots. I know. The, just... the best podcast. I will. I can't really completely like get angry at Nerdist because like some people are really are people out there there are really amazing. And I remember I'm listening to the Indoor Hardwick. Kids with Kumail yes. before Kumail became yeah. Hot Kumail. He was just Kumail oh, yes. the gamer. <laughs> I know. I, I I I got into that podcast right as they decided to like go on hiatus because they started getting a lot more like work work, and that was that was a bummer because I was like, oh sweet, I like both of these people, and they're talking about video games, perfect. And then like my third episode in, they're like, so. 
we're going to be doing this a lot less frequently. We're, you know, I got staffed on a writing job and Camille's busy with uh, Silicon Valley shoots. And it's just like, God damn it. I missed it. I'm looking at some of the lines uh, said by Brian Bless during Unbeal Bonzuki in the UK. Uh, three people beat the unicycle course once, and then he did not take this well. And there's a quote from the TV Tropes page for Unbeal Bonzuki. <clears throat> three! Three new champions! Bonzuki Brian has never witnessed such a catastrophe! Three! Thrice the skill! Thrice the speed! Thrice the humiliation! <laughs> I will say that the the humiliation is not the strangest word to choose there because, I mean, assuming the translations are accurate when they go up and they just show the clips of the person, like the the ringside announcer who will like go up and interview the people after they lose. And they're always just like, how are you feeling right now? They're like, I'd like to apologize to my family for failing. It's like, okay. So I think sometimes I might just be like some some polite amount of humiliation or jokiness to it, but I feel like oftentimes people brought up how embarrassed they were that they failed at like a near impossible task. Like that's the whole gimmick is how impossible the challenge is. Uh, and now should we go into the the, the last stage of Unbeatable Manzuke that I think should be like the hallmark? I don't know if you've seen much of this or even know about it. Sure, yeah. But one of the best parts about Unbeatable Manzuke is, of course. They made a tie-in video game. <laughs> I have not seen the game for this. Oh, you are in for a treat. This is beautiful stuff. They okay. You can pretty much guess what uh, what console they put it on. PS two nineties in Japan. Uh, oh, PS one. The PlayStation one, and it is. I would say a great mini game collection. It is one of those one of those games where it they put so much effort into almost like an Olympics compilation event of different challenges. And they not just made one volume, they made three volumes. Oh, they also made Game Boy games. Yes, and it's ev- almost every challenge ever featured on Unbeatable Bonzuke has been used here, such as even like the gymnastics challenge we kind of forgot to bring up. They even include the Japanese announcer, and it's just this fascinating. They even included our favorite game, the Tower of Seven. Uh, just scroll into like the three minute mark, three minutes thirty, and you got it. You got your game. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm looking at the Game Boy game now. I'm like, man, I might find a way to buy this because this looks like imagine just seeing like a ninja warrior course but in you know professionally made game boy sprites and pixel graphics it's just it's like ex- huh, it's this is beautiful this is it adorable is so beautiful and it's like that was saving that for last because we both love video games and it's just this great course and just like I was shocked when I saw all this stuff, and I saw this right after the American Ninja Warrior episode, and I was like, when are we talking about this? When are we going to bring this up? I have to do it now. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I would, if you need me to come back, we can just do bad video game, or video game versions of some of these game shows. They made a I will, I will find this and play this. The Bonzuke Sasuke course, before it became popular as a GBA game. A, a yeah. PlayStation 1 video game featuring unicycling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is it is truly glorious. And it's not like fake, it's not fan creations. These are officially licensed by the company. Yeah. 
I mean, they look a lot better than that uh, American Ninja Warrior video game that came out a year ago. Oh, no, don't bring a... Oh, gee. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, I have not tried it, but in my darker moments, I've been like, I wonder if that was fun at all. It's like, How much no, do you like no quick time events be. by any chance? Uh, I mean, if they're framed as mini games, a little bit. What if it's really pushing not the same the button prompts it. over and over again? Hit A. Hit A. Hit A. Hit A. Now, now, now say that with Rich Eisen's voice. Be sure to press the A button. He's hit and the I, A button. That's right, Matt. Just, you know, the lactic acid needed to press the start button to start this event is really <laughs> necessary. If you don't do it correctly, you're going you're gonna to lose it and you're going to fall into water. That's not good. That's how you figure out who I, I, isn't a real ninja warrior. <laughs> I assume this came up when you guys talked about American Ninja Warrior, but you talked about how Matt I doc right oh we did we barely touched the service of his days oh as a comedian as a doctor uh just like dr ken himself matt eisman uh used to be a physicist who went into yeah he, he was <laughs> well no he was he was a physician he was like a full-on like he was a licensed medical doctor and then he went into comedy which became hosting jobs where he hosted a show on i believe hgtv where he clean he cleans people's kitchens and house like bathrooms and redecorates. Yeah, I Matt Eisman, what a career this guy has had in his his forty nine years, and he went to Princeton. Well, do you want like, to know how he got the job though? With Ninja Warrior, yeah. How did how did he get the job? With so Ninja because G four G four is owned by E, and they had at the time Versus, which was a sports channel, and we talked about Chris Hardwick earlier with Web Soup. They also did another spinoff called Sports Soup, and that was hosted by Matt Eisman. So they, at the uh, same time when Ninja War was about to do its American spinoff, Matt Eisman, who was doing Sports Soup at the time, was approached by the same producers, can you do Ninja Warrior? Because this is sports and we need a funny host. That makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, it's just it just baffles my mind that the guy who talks like this, I'm Matt Eisman for me and Akbar Gabanjumila, we are saying goodnight. It went to Princeton and was a medical doctor. It's just like I don't know how to like. You're you're just like putting on the head. scene right now with Matt Eisman being like a doctor right now. Like I got some upsetting news. <laughs> you have the test came out cancer. positive. <laughs> oh man, him doing like I'm just any sort of examination on my body would make me. Oh, I'm gonna say thoroughly uncomfortable. Uh, obviously, he has not done that in since you know the time of death was one twenty four. What if he started giving? I guess Akbar gives the nicknames, but Matt Eisman just started giving like ninja nicknames to all of his patients. <laughs> he <laughs> he calls himself the Chicken Pox Ninja. He's only nine years old. Here's his backstory. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh goodness! What and, and with if not for unbeatable Banzuke, we would not have doing American Ninja Warrior. You would not have that, like th it all leads back to this show in this fascinating yeah. world where there is three PlayStation video games for Unbeatable Banzuke. I want all of them. It's hard to find. I I can see them on Amazon right now. The Unbeatable Banzuke video games, but uh, <laughs> so, I kind of go for exactly how much you can expect. Uh, Amazon. All right, I found. Ooh, I found a copy of Kiniku Banzuke GB, the first one for ten dollars. So that's the Game Boy one. 
So it looks like these are probably not very expensive, which means I very well might start trying to buy them soon. You're going to buy all of these games, and you're going to be like, I don't know, I beat Jordan to the punch. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll find a way to you know, capture all this footage on off of my, uh, my Game Boy Color, and I will, I will just become the, the unbeatable Banzuke game streamer. The unbeatable that's, that's my new game lot in life. Uh, the, I mean, it's easy to understand how the game's played, so it's not like really that difficult. Uh, the third, okay, so it's volume one, volume two, and then the third one is kind of the road to Sasuke, which is the Ninja Warrior, because that's when they just started to do a spinoff of uh, uh, Ninja Warrior. So everything does lead back to Ninja Warrior. I know it is truly it's it's the Rosetta Stone for you know all of all of modern civilization is Ninja Warrior and Unbeatable Banzuke. And now we get to go through the fun part of the show. This is the this is fun. I get to ask a question. I don't think everyone's ever thought of should this show be Americanized? You know, there's American Ninja Warrior. Where's Unbeatable Banzuke USA? I would say yes. But here are the challenges I see that would come up with this. I, I think the the skills that they have on display in, in the 90s Japanese Unbeatable Banzuke are all based around having these kind of technical hobbies that you have to get really into to be at all good at. So like, you know, good at mountain biking, good at unicycling, good at, I guess, pole balancing, pogo sticking, stilt walking. Those aren't things people can just like pick up and do, nor are they automatically things you're good at if you're just overall athletic. And so I don't know if there would be, they would they would have to mix it up with more Americanized interests. So as much as I would love to see a bunch of American people trying to unicycle through extreme courses, I don't know if they'd have enough competitors to actually have like a good competition. And I think they would have to, you know, mix it up. There's definitely, like, you'd have to pick like the more... You know the 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 quirky sports. So like, I think that there could be a good skateboarding one. You could probably have some interesting ones on different types of bikes and boards. I mean, I'd love to see if there is a large community of American stilt walkers. I just don't think there are. I just don't think that's a thing that's big here, at least in my my experience. But I would I would absolutely love for a. I mean, yeah, NBC Universal since they already have the the ninja thing, just like. Bring it back. You don't even have to call it Bonzuke. Call it like Super Challenge USA. I don't care. But the I would great love to see American some courses. <laughs> okay, so American muscle ranking. Muscle ranking. I would say. Uh, I I would. Okay, so cl- you're close. This is you're you're in the right ballpark uh, of what I would do. So first, yes, I would obviously get the American Ninja Warrior producers to work on the show because they've done this. And you give it the same sports package as Ninja Warriors. So it's like, let's meet this mountain biker who's 23 years old. I don't know if you really want to get Matt Eisman on this. You might have to get, like, I don't know, some X Games star and a comedian. Yeah, they'll, they'll get whoever the next Chris Hardwick is. Yeah, well, hopefully I'm not the new Chris <laughs> Hardwick. Jesus. Uh- <laughs> I have been compared to Chris Hardwick. Oh, I didn't realize you were compared to Chris Hardwick. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, this was before the allegations, so we're all... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still, still a little sorry, if I'm being real. <laughs> uh, so, you get A. Smith and company to work on the show. Each episode is an hour long. 
uh, played with two halves. Each half is one different obstacle course. So it's like really two half-hour shows because that's kind of the new model of modern game shows is kind of like, here's two games of Pyramid and two games of Match Game. So you'll have one that's always something that is a indoor obstacle course with heavy themes. Uh, so something of the unicycle, handstands, uh, the domino course, something that's like silly, goofy, or smart like the tower. And it the gimmick is there's no three courses. There's no qualifier. It's simply put, you have one chance at this. You do it, you don't. If you complete this, you get the cash prize. And we'll say it's like 25000 or 50000 Well, no, it's the generic game show top prize. And you have all the dramatic lighting. You have all the indoor events. Like, this is their one moment. And you just keep that going for maybe three, four dramatic appeals just to make it Americanized, because that's the only way to make it Americanized. You have the dramatic light stuff. You have to have your friends and family in the audience going, you can do it! Uh... And then you try to come up with more American-based sports. So you'll have uh, the in-between game before we go to the next course space challenge, which is one of these like nine hoops, strikeouts. Um, and you just basically play that for like a prize. Like if this uh, MLB star, because you have to have a celebrity guest. Celebrities are big. So, hey, mm-hmm. we get uh, Steph Curry. We get uh, <laughs> off his mini golf game show. Yeah, off off holy moly. <laughs> we get uh, you get uh, MLB pitchers. Uh, you you get all these people, and then give them like one game to test their skill. And it's like if this person can complete it, this person in the audience gets the cash pro, like something like that. Uh, it's always kind of I mean, like the strike one through nine, and then we yeah, go into no, second course. And the second I course think be is a good way to structure it. And then you go into the second course and it's outside the arena because we already did one indoors. Now we're doing one outdoors and that could be an outdoor biking challenge. That can be an outdoor unicycle challenge. That could be a pseudo mini ninja warrior course uh, where it's like five events in 60 seconds. Uh, and you got to come up with stuff that's more Americanized. So like what's the stuff that American sports like? Uh, and then, and then after that, you have one final of these final round challenges where it's the tower of seven, because I think that has to be like the bonus round, big finale bonus Hmm. for each. I think that for each one you knock out is $1,000. There's seven towers. If you knock down the sixth one, we double it to 10. You knock down the seventh. That's 25,000. Careful though. If you knock down the entire tower, the game is over in that. And then you create your big bonus round and everything's happy and great. And yay. Yeah, I I think that sounds like a uh, I would probably watch that. I think the one thing I like about the the traditional Banzuke that I would want to see translated over is that it really rewards the specificity. And so just making sure that somebody because I, I think one of my issues with Ninja Warriors sometimes is that it's like, fit into this kind of like niche athletic persona you're probably going to do okay at it and i like that banzuke offers a lot of variety as far as like you you don't necessarily have to be that strong to be a really good unicyclist and oh, so you're not idea. being tested that's on exactly anything but your for. unicycle yeah exactly so you get and you get all of the appeal so you'll get like oh this person's a bartender this person works at this and it's not like the avid rock climber ch- 
person or the generic uh, trapeze <laughs> artist. Vaulters, gymnasts, and all-around CrossFit people. Yeah, you're not getting the CrossFit people. You are really getting everyday Americans, and they're try- and it's trying to appeal to like any anyone off the street can try and play this game if they kind of somewhat know how to operate a mountain bike or a unicycle. And if it's and if they want to pretend they're they are these strong uh, rock climbers, you would have to do something that is like an actual rock climbing challenge. And I would see that'd be like one of the new Bonzuke challenges. So it's kind of like the uh, the tower that 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 Mount Midoriyama, but just mountain climbing rocks. And you have it so like oh, uh, one of the rocks slides left and right, and you need to time it. And then there's like. Oh, what if uh, it rotates a full 360? Well, you do it, and you have to grab a flat. Things like that to make it even more of like a classic Bonzuke challenge with modern sports appeal. And, of course, uh, stretch out the skateboarding challenge so that way it's safer. <laughs> yeah, make sure everything is nice and safe. I'm more caring about the safety in this than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, because that, 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 I mean, how many game shows have completely disappeared or, you know, just gone downhill after a serious injury? Because, like, one, it's like, it's terrible for that person. And two, it's like, well, we also just lose this show where had you just taken some better safety measures, that person wouldn't be harmed and you would still have your TV show. Like, uh, that, what the classic one was what, that doggy dog game from like 2001? With Brooke Burns, formerly of The Chase and uh, Best Ever Trivia. Oh, no, Masterminds now. And yeah, that was a show where someone drowned and yeah, they had to get rushed to the like, hospital during a hilarious challenge where it was like a strength test of hold your breath, which is great because when you tell people hold your breath the longest to win $50,000 and you have people who are desperate for money, of course they're going to drown for the money. Yeah, well, and that dude, I remember seeing an interview with him way back then, and it's like, he got brain damage. He is mentally impaired because of, you know, how he almost died. And stuff like that doesn't happen on Jeopardy, and that's why Jeopardy gets ass forever, and these physical challenge games don't. That's how it, uh... So I think, like, you will have to have a sports presentation like NBC. You'll need to make sure everything's safe. You'll need to make sure there's one indoor event, one outdoor event, and interspersed between two mini celebrity-based challenges for for a small cash prize as well. Kind of like the big grand finale cash prize showdown thing. Uh, dramatic lighting. Uh, I I could easily see uh, any. I could see like almost all sorts of sports events show up for this because then you can branch this off. Now you'll have uh, American football type challenges. You'll have mm. hockey. And then it's like, well, then branch that out. Now what if there was ice, like an ice-based challenge where people who are ice skaters have to balance on a ridiculously small icy path? Yeah, and you, oh my God, I'm just imagining, I don't know if keep it properly cold, but yeah, like one of these bike uh, challenge courses, but for just like with ice rinks, so you have to just like leap to there, skate that way. I feel like somebody's going to break but I would enjoy it up until that point. <laughs> until there is an injury. And then, <laughs> and because it's only a limited supply of people, uh, you keep the courses fresh. So that way, this is only like you only have two real challenges. You have two staple games, or one or more staple games, like the tower, and that keeps the variety fresh for an hour-long game show. And with new content of people falling on their face or falling into water, 
but not in a wipeout way where it's just a big old splash. It's more of like a they've fallen their ass kind of face plant. But I, I think the point of all this is that, yes, we both fully endorse an Americanized version of this game. Hosted by Chris Hardwick. All right, this game's challenge is real simple. All you got to do is just uh, use the hockey stick and slap the puck on each of these uh, nine targets. Uh, if you can get all <laughs> nine, uh, you get $20,000. All right, before we get going, it's time for the final question, Peter. All right. We had a lot of I'm fun today on Beeble Bonzuke. A grand show, grand spectacle, history-making game show. But one final question. Uh, something that's on everyone's mind. What is your favorite Koopaling? Oh, my favorite Koopaling, I think it is... Hmm, I know it's I a think tough Morton's question. Morton's my tough... favorite. Morton and Ludwig. Are you going to go Ludwig? No, I'm going to go with Morton Koopa Jr. Morton Koopa Jr. Are you sure Morton? Yes, because he is a reference to... Just something that does not exist anymore, and that's you know Morton D- Morton Downey Jr. And I just like how esoteric that reference is now. <laughs> Where are all those big mouse out there, right? This loud mouse. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's the correct answer for this final question. You just won yourself a plug, Peter. Yay! What would you like to plug today? Yeah, so I host my own podcast. It's called Game and Read. It's a podcast I host with my wife, Erin. And every month we do a pairing of a book and a video game. And we try and build them all to be as cohesive as we can to really kind of play off each other theme-wise or story. Uh, And we just have a nice kind of long discussion that we break over a few episodes. And it's it's a good time. We've been doing it for about six months now in its current iteration. And you can check it out on any of the, you know, the pod catchers game ampersand read. And that's what I got. You can also find me on Twitter at nerd in the world is my handle. That's going to do it for us here. Uh, stay tuned for a special episode of game and read where we look at the history of the unbeatable Bonzuke games uh, through and the- its literary compatriots. <laughs> Through the literary stylings of John Steinbeck novels. So. <laughs> oh, man. How is the Grapes of Wrath? Not like a obstacle course for stilt walking. <laughs> Travels with Charlie best encompasses the amazing race. Or probably more road rules. Now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, Peter, All right, thanks. but the yeah. <laughs> Peter, thanks again for stopping <laughs> by. Thanks for having me on. This was... This was lovely, and I'm I'm so happy to have pushed all of you to watch clips of Unbeatable Bonzuke. Watch the face plants. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks again to Peter for stopping by. I had a great time talking about Unbeatable Bonzuke. Just a fantastic show, action-packed. Lots of skill, lots of challenges. Just to me, I enjoy a game show when it's kind of like this, where you can kind of try and come up with different challenges in games. And please, please check out Game and Read. Uh, since this recording, uh, Peter put out a new episode of Game and Read uh, with my friend Jack from Funtime Calls. In this podcast, where one plays a video, where there's a video game and a book, and it's kind of like a part book club, part ga- video game club. Uh, Jack from Funtime Calls, uh, great guy, friend of the show, really loves Osit for some reason. 
he he was on, and they did an episode with Undertale and the book Neverwhere, and it's fascinating. It's a like to me that's kind of the the fun part where you can see the parallels between a book and a video game. And Jack's very funny and clever too. And I I you know what? Please like I I gotta give it up for Game and Raid and and Peter again. Because just a wonderful guy, uh, just just great. Uh, anyway, I should probably like get some notes out. Hang on, I gotta just hang on. There we go. Uh, so here's my notes that I had for the uh, episode of Unbeatable Bonzuke as I am recording this uh, on my microphone right in the recording room. Uh, so uh, when I when I saw the show. Uh, we watched some G4 videos. We were trying to scour uh, different clips online. Uh, Peter uh, was watching some of the best of compilations. So the Unicycle Challenge, uh, a lot of places I went to as well. Pretty much if you just search on Bail Bonzuke, wherever you found it is where we found it. Uh, and it got us thinking, and when I was recording the episode and talking about all the events, it got me remembering that the G4 version didn't really have any of the skill challenges. It was a very truncated version of Unbeal Bonzuke. As Unbeal Bonzuke lasted for hour, this was kind of like a half minute, half hour show where they only really put like two challenges, maybe, next to Rome Konda from I Serve the Japanese Game Show. So it, it, it's kind of like they tried to do like an MXC approach where they really like tooled the existing footage, but instead of going goofy slapstick, they try to make it more theatrical, more sports broadcasty, which you got to respect. Uh, it got me remembering that Romy Kana doesn't even speak English in this. They just kind of had him on and just do like green screen. Hello. And they kept the Ninja warrior guy. And not only that, they got rid of my favorite challenges. Because when I was looking, I was trying to find raw. I never could find a raw Japanese file of Unbeal Bonzuke. But I was able to find clips of the games I couldn't see. Uh, I couldn't find the basketball one for some reason. But I found bowling. I found uh, the, the snooker game. And I found, watch well, it was eight ball. And I found the uh, the baseball, the, the, strike, the strike one. And those were like the most gripping, fun ones that I enjoyed. Because... Like, imagine the soccer game and they have to kick to the exact squares. That is, like, a challenge, but it's a very cool challenge and something that I kind of enjoyed re-watching and going, this is a game. This could easily be a game in itself. And to see, like, G4 just throw it out was very, very disappointing to me. But I can understand where they're coming from because on the G4 perspective, if they did the course game or they did the push-up challenge... It, it looks incredible on screen because you're seeing the tower knockdown challenge. And you're like, oh, that's cool. The dominoes because there's action. You're seeing a push-up challenge because it's silly and you can go haha Japan. And then you can go with the unicycle or bicycle or handstand and go, oh, it's a course. It's a dramatic course. Interesting. But seeing the like bowling game, that was that's so cool. Basically, they just plant the bowling pins and say, you have to knock down the pins. Like, that's it. <laughs> uh, I love that. It's like, there's only, a, like, like basically, can you pick up the splits? That's basically the challenge. And I thought, this is cool. This is a really cool game. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to say G4 screwed it up. But re-watching this, I could see where the meltdown mode for G4 started to come. And I don't know if it was just, like, advertisers hawking at them. 
he bought them up and everything was focused on the Ninja Warrior brand, American Ninja Warrior. Because if I remember correctly, this was about the time when G4 decided, yeah, we're going to stop doing a lot of video game content. So no more Unscrewed Martin Sargent. Uh, no more whip set. They did the whip set in Anime Unleashed. Oh, we're not going to get the rights to Anime Unleashed anymore. We might keep Cinematech, who knows? But we might do the adult nocturnal emissions with the horny content for the horny girls. Um, well, horny guys, but it's horny girls on the cutscenes. Uh, and it was like X-Play and Attack of the Show was their only new original content in between Cheaters and, and uh, Cops. And it didn't work out well at the end. And, you know, like, Attack of the Show, like, if you consider our big pop culture minds now and how everything is Star Wars and comic book movies, it was ahead of its curve. It just was a little too um, consumer-oriented male to work, especially in today's audience. And secondly, X-Play, which was a fun little review show, uh, you know, it, it kind of just fizzled out when you realize anyone can do video game reviews now, which kind of sucks because I remember people really love Adam and, and Morgan. But that that's G4 for you. Uh, eventually, I'm probably going to just have to do another like documentary or research study on G4. I don't want to do like a rise and fall thing because I think like if I did that, it would just end up being like every one of those YouTube documentaries where it's just like, well, you see, if it wasn't for the fact that they got bought up, like G, like the G for Tech TV merger, or if it wasn't for Attack of the Show and they got rid of the screensavers, or if it wasn't for uh, Olivia Munn, if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for uh, Sweat being canceled, like, like you can't really like justify any of that. The reason the network probably faltered was just like different execs making different choices and it wasn't getting a big enough audience than what was expected. Like that's pretty much the consensus. You can almost look at the viewing figures. No brainer. On Bio Bonzuke, it was cheap to produce. It was just rehashing old footage from the 90s into a new new uh, format that looks like the Ninja Warrior show and it got views but is it enough like compared to like say hurl that that gross out vomit game show on g4 oh fuck i just realized i have to talk about the fucking hurl show on g4 <sighs> fuck my life <sighs> anyway and so we continue talking about unbeatable monzuke because that is today's episode our closing thoughts are this. Uh, the show is great, but I think the best thing about this is those video games. The GBA games, the PlayStation 1 games, and the PlayStation 2 games. I've been, I've been watching as much gameplay as I can of this game. I have tried to find these games for sale. I want to buy them, but I'm afraid because COVID-19 import. Uh, it will take a long time. So I want to say these games look a lot of fun. These games look like they actually control relatively well. That I really wish, and this is like a big call out. There was like, maybe it's out there. Because it's like a PlayStation 1 and 2 game and a GBA game. 
my call out is uh, people buy the game or get the ROM, I guess. I had to promote piracy. Uh, but uh, get the game. Get like all the Unbeatable Banzuke games. Like 1, 2, and 3, the GBA games, the Road to Sasuke, the Sasuke game. All of that. And make that like an eSport for the time being. Like I want to see people who like go what the fuck at video games or like do all those like kaizo mario world challenges or like the the 60 mario star challenge just one of those weird like because you know that that's the whole aspect is that little like speed run ch- people and see how good they are at the unbeatable bonzuke games because <laughs> i think they're just gonna have a meltdown and it'll be a lot of fun or they might just go oh this is okay and that would be fun too because seeing this game was a lot of fun there's a lot of mini games on these playstation discs this seems like the perfect game that if i was like a kid at a video store i would have rented a blockbuster and had a weekend's worth of fun playing it uh that i recommend looking up the video games as well uh so on bonzuke fantastic game show fantastic challenges a fantastic mini game like playstation game content and it doesn't matter if you want like the weird pol- polygonal uh ps1 graphics or you want like a cartoonish gba graphics they're both exciting and fun to watch and i want to like play it when this episode ends because i can't stress this enough that i think if anything maybe the video games are more fun than the show <laughs> but i'm getting distracted here uh that should be the episode of Game and Rage, just like uh, a book of of physical therapy and and the Unbeatable Bonzuke games. I don't know, uh, <laughs> but I like this show. Thanks again to Peter for stopping by. Once again, check out Game and Read. Watch Unbeatable Bonzuke if you can on YouTube. I know it's truncated and they get rid of the skill games, but yeah, you'll you'll get your money's worth. And it's now time for the 110 part series exploring every pricing game from the price is right this is the pricing game spotlight line them up premiere date march 10th 1998 0682k Finale date, Bob Barker, May 30th, 2007, 4013K. Premiere date, Drew Carey, October 31st, 2007, 4063K. This game is played for a brand new car, plus three additional prices. One worth between 10 and 98, two between 301 and 987. This game was created by a former producer, Kathy Fingers Greco. Contestant is shown a game board which displays the first and last digits of the price of a car. Between those digits, however, are the prices of three other prizes, each of which contains one of the other three digits in the price of the car. Contestant must slide these prices horizontally so that the digits in the price of the car line up vertically in a yellow, formerly white, frame. The first and the third prices are always a three-digit price, while the second is always a two-digit price. If the contestant correctly lines up all three prizes, the contestant wins the car and those prizes. Otherwise, the contestant sold how many, but not specifically which of them, of those digits are correctly placed. 
Knowing only this information, the contestant has one final chance to line up the prices and win the car and those prices as before. But if the price is not correct after the second attempt, it's considered a loss and they don't get anything. On the first playing, it was one on the first try. On the first playing, the price labels were light gray with black letters. They changed it to black with white letters on the next playing. When the game first debuted, the car was the first to be shown first, followed by three small prizes. On October 7th, it was changed to the reveals go in the opposite direction. March 31st, and of order, the first three prizes were shown in door three. Okay. Different, different door layout. Okay. Uh, additionally, this game's debut from May 18th, 1990. The think music from Check Game, Make Your Move, and Cover Up was used. But on June 2nd, 98, and onward, it was changed to a regular think music that's usually used for pushover. On October 2nd, 2014, the game board received a fresh coat of paint of the same colors. Line Them Up has not been the first game to be played in the game pricing slot. On May 16, 2016, someone got no numbers right on their first try. However, on her second try, she redeemed herself, got all three numbers right, and won the car. Uh, this also happened on October 27, 2017. Here is some more trivia. For this game to be played, any car can be played, but the three prices have to include one of the three middle numbers needed. The most number of times this game was played in any season was 17. Despite the three small prices used to line up the car price uh, being priced below $1,000, this is not officially a small prize game. Such a distinction means that small prizes must be priced by the contestant and must also cost less than $300. Three-digit prices used in lineup cost $300 or more in price. Lineup up was one of the seven pricing games seen on the fifth taping season, which was seen on the ba 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 I hate that fan fact. Anyway, foreign formats. Uh, several foreign formats line them up is played exactly the same way. The game board also looks very similar to that in America. Australia version was played for a car. Vietnamese never won more than 30, 30 million uh, Vietnamese dollars. So something happened. I, I don't know. But you know what? I enjoy this game because it's basically like a faster-paced version of Switcheroo. It kind of reminds me of Make Your Move. It's that look at the crowd play the numbers the crowd will scream yeah no and to me that's what i like about this game and then it follows the that race game switcheroo you got two right you need to make one switch or you got one you got to make two switches and that messes with the contestants slightly into figuring out what did they got wrong is it eighteen thousand or is it sixteen thousand that's what makes the game very fresh in my mind and that's what i think makes it one of those classic prices right pricing games that I enjoy. Plus, it I like the idea of just it lights up and it's that same kind of colors and maybe this is just distracting me for a bit. It kind of reminds me a bit of uh Double Dare in the 90s, you know like Family Double Dare. You know when they did the hamster wheel and did the light up 1 through 6? It has that same graphics package and I think that's why I'm getting distracted. But that just could be just me. Uh, anyway, next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, We'll be going on a clearance sale. Alrighty, well, you know, game shows, I suppose, is about game shows, obviously, but... You know, in this weird climate that we live in with, with sports, and I know so many of you, there's like a weird parallel with sports. 
uh, in the world of game shows, they're kind of missing it. They're miss like the NBA Finals will be going on right now. People will be clamoring for for the the uh, MLB uh, games to start. There would be probably people going, "Wow, the XFL really was bad." I don't know, but uh, this week in the world of game shows, uh, there are three game shows all tied to athletes that premiere this week. Now, I already talked about that in the run-through, but I've already seen previews and clips. I'm not going to give full reviews yet. Um, I guess I'm going to have to review Tag and Game On next week, so heads up. Uh, that's going to be upcoming content for the podcast. But uh, tomorrow, which is the 20th, uh, Fox has Ultimate Tag. The Watt Brothers are the hosts. Get ready for American Gladiators meets the exciting world of Tag. Yep. Tag. Uh, it, I've seen clips of it. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of not as dangerous as American Gladiators from the looks of things. The sets are really cool. Uh, the set looks fine. I don't know if people want to see tag, but because of where we are with sports, it could be a next big thing. My only fear with the show so far, going into like, here's my preconceived notions, people are going to watch this and keep thinking American Gladiators, or they're going to see that because it's just tag, you know, get from one point to another without getting tagged, or avoid a time limit, uh, they're going to find the game a little repetitive and I fear the repetition because it's only I think five or six courses is going to end up uh, like risking the show a bit but that being said I mean the Watt Brothers are pretty good as hosts pretty decent so far we'll see when we see a full episode this week also a uh, game on debuts on the 20th if you want to see counter programming I guess uh, game on on CBS uh, our, a panel game show is is back you know, we've been talking about panel game shows here on Game Shows, I suppose, for a while. And America doesn't really do game shows that are panel game shows, where it's just celebrities doing stuff for points, no charity work. So this is it. This is uh, apparently our next attempt. A League of Their Own from the UK is going to be game on here in America with, uh, you know, Keegan-Michael Key as host. And it might be fun. Because you got Venus Williams and you got Gronkowski. My seeing the previews though, they they're really emphasizing the silly games and not really seeing like there's any trivia questions. So I'm kind of disappointed because the League of Their Own kind of also had like a question round for some reason related to sports. So it seems like they're gonna just skip that in favor of just challenges and comps. And some of the challenges look kind of silly and funny, like gladiatorial-based, and okay, that's silly. And then it goes into eat the gross stuff and oh no, snakes and spiders. And when you, you do oh no, snakes and spiders, I, I think that's a little lazy. I think that's a lazy competition. I think gross out is also kind of lazy. I mean, those are like things like, I know they're fear factor challenges, but it also comes across as kind of just yuck, like... Like, it, it's not turn away, because it's like, first of all, when you do a gross-out challenge and you do a Ono Snakes and Spiders challenge, you're you're already going to, like, the idea is supposed to be people have a fear of snakes and spiders. So you see snakes and spiders, Ono Snakes and Spiders. But if you are trying to appeal to as many people as possible, 
uh, doing snakes and spiders will immediately change the channel as someone who's afraid of snakes and spiders, as I have seen time and time again. So that alone doesn't really work as a challenge on a standpoint. Now, it's okay if you're doing like a younger audience or trying to do a surprise reveal or something where there's a twist on Oh No Snakes and Spiders, but most of the time, don't do it. Please don't do the Snakes and Spiders challenges, not because, oh no, Snakes and Spiders, it's it's too lazy, it's too haphazard, because on one stand, it's lazy because it's been done so many times before that's like, oh, get the thing out of the snake pit, okay. Oh, here's a snake around your neck, okay. Here's a box, here's some spiders on your head, okay. Uh, that That's just kind of lazy. Uh, and eat gross shit because the whole point, what do you, does the audience want to benefit from seeing the person eat the gross shit? Is it A, because you're seeing someone eat gross shit, or B, because you want to see them vomit? Do you really want to see someone vomit on television? That's kind of the other standpoint of the show. It doesn't matter if it's a celebrity or not. What they want to see is somebody vomit. And when you, those are the two challenges that you put in your promos next to here's a silly basketball game and here's someone jumping into ice water in a long distance dive competition to make a jump ball. I don't know what to tell you, but it's not going to do well. I almost guarantee that it's not going to do well when you're seeing the challenges up front and they look very lazy. When you see Bobby Lee get covered, get wear a, a bowling pin helmet, and then the joke is, let's put on the lube, and it's a mop full of lubricant, and then they throw him like a bowling ball. <sighs> sure, that's supposed to be silly, I get it, but I don't think Americans know how to write comedy for a silly stunt that really is just a slip-and-slide bowling challenge that it's it's kind of feels like man some of these challenges don't fit the show which feels like maybe they got a different challenge person than necessary two they got really lazy when it came to sports challenges and they didn't want to go full-on challenges they want to do like well let's do horseshoes on steroids let's do archery on steroids and when one of them is venus williams there's not really a lot of tennis challenges and all i can assume Based on what I'm seeing in the promos, is all they're gonna do is a hit hit the hit the celebrity with the tennis ball gun because that's because it, it feels lazy and I feel disappointed because I think Game On could do really well, but my envision in my head versus what this promos are aren't exactly matching, and I'm kind of disappointed by that because. I could see that show working so well, especially when there's no sports on. So, hey, if you want to see Rob Gronkowski and Venus Williams do silly challenges that are keen to maybe double there, but with the added thrill of Ono, oh Snakes, and Spiders, Game On premieres probably within like nine hours from now by the time you're listening to this because it's a Wednesday. Um, also, it got me thinking because Gronkowski is now uh, he's now in Tampa, I think. He's, he, he's in Florida. For the NFL, what are they going to do if it gets a season two pickup? Are they going to change out the athletes, or is Gronk going to continue uh, doing the show? Because to me, that feels like they have little faith in the show to begin with. Uh, or maybe Gronk has no faith in the show, or Venus has no faith. Um, is gonna, is there going to be like mean jokes at Venus's expense? Like, oh Venus, how's your sister Serena doing? Because that's all I can think of, and it's like, oh, well, does this, oh, 
Or is this going to be like, well, look, it's the famous people you like doing the silly challenges. I maybe it's because I watch so many game shows that maybe that just is clouding my memory. Cause it's like, I've seen so many of these challenges before I've seen so many Latin American teen game shows that I'm used to, Hey, jump in the pool of frigid water to grab the key games. Like, I don't, I don't know what they, what, what to expect, but maybe it'll be fun. Maybe. Uh, also this week on the 21st, Holy moly, this 2, the sequel, makes its debut. Uh, Steph Curry returns. Joe Tessitore returns. Rob Riggle returns. Uh, new challenges. Um, my expectations are they're going to make a tournament style and it's going to be funny. But I think because they want to do over-the-top challenges now, uh, they're going to end up either screwing up and being like Wipeout, uh, where it's going to be a little too mechanical and almost force knockouts. Uh, like the, uh, there is, uh, I think there's a, a course that I saw on the promos called Hole Number Two, where the gimmick is it's a 30 foot long putt. And then once you get through the drive, you got to run across. And then a bunch of people open these porta potty doors and try and knock you into the water. And if they do, you get one stroke penalty. And it's like, I, I get it. I think they're what, what they're trying to focus is on is like, well, you do one thing and then you do an action for a one stroke penalty and you mostly will fail because that's the silly. But it's, I don't know if, if that's really uh, going to match up because the biggest issue you can do on Holy Moly is two things. One, make people remind you of Wipeout, because now Wipeout's coming to True TV. And two, to make the game look like it's rigged. So if you're going to do a mechanical thing to mess up a putt, uh, it might end up looking like, uh, maybe favor this guy over me. Uh, and now to the audience, will never really fly. Uh, and And three, which is not really one for me, but I, it's just a personal, not really like, I don't think it's going to really mess up. Uh, some of the challenges I've seen for the season kind of look uh, stupid. And I don't mean that in like a fun way. Like there's the Frankenstein one where everyone gets these little muscle electrodes. And the gimmick is if you don't make the shot, you get electrocuted. So haha putters get electrocuted. And all I can think of is, so the joke is going to be you're going to hear people say fuck fuck shit ow ow while trying to make putts and get hurt ow ow he he like they're being tased and that's going to be funny to the audience and i know it's going to be low stimulated shocks it's not going to be like that but they're going to amplify because they want to be silly like we're going to give them ten thousand lightning bolts like they're getting shocked by electricity every but it, it still is going to feel stupid. It feels like, to me, that does that doesn't sound like good. That doesn't sound like a good hole. That sounds like uh, uh, something that was trying to be like, well, you know, like it's silly because like people like shock challenges on YouTube. So maybe we could do it with the putters. And look, that that that's all that's going to say is like you have a one in like twelve chance of getting the bad hole. And that's your bad hole of the season. And people are going to be like, oh, haha, I got electrocuted. Haha, I got electrocuted. The other one is 
they're wearing like a flame retardant suit and they're going to get shot by fire. So they they have to do a putt well, like basically on fire, like a, like a fire stunt. And I mean, like I get it. It looks nice. It looks cool to do the putts while like getting on fire. But I, that doesn't sound real. I know that's trying to be the opposite of wipeout. Like, how can it be the opposite of wipeout? Because you don't want to do full on uh, fall in the water stunts. Oh, how about they get electrocuted? And how about they they putt while on fire? What? No. If I wanted different holes, like some of the holes, like the pirate ship one looks cool. The uh, hot dog <laughs> looks pretty cool because they have to go on like a hot dog wiener and then go across. Like that's fun to me. Like that looks like a silly kind of mini golf course. And it's like, okay, that looks like a good hole. But others just look like shit. Like they look terrible. Now, better than season one, mind you. But uh, to me, mm, I don't know why we need the diving range and it's just a diving contest to fall in the water. Other than it's another thing to do to make it different. Sometimes different doesn't mean good. Uh, so my expectations for season two... Better than season one, but some of the holes will be considered bad, and it's a 50-50 gamble that people will tune out on those. A big problem with a lot of these shows, whether it's Game On, Holy Moly, or Ultimate Tag, is when you're doing a challenge, if it's repetitive. Tag is tag, so because you changed the course layout, will that continue making the audience stand? Well, we have wacky personalities. They're like WWE guys going, oh, I'm going to take you down. Bah, bah, bah. Game on. Well, we're doing sports challenges, but they're silly. Well, are you going to watch the Gronkowski eats gross shit challenge? Or Venus Williams has a snake around her and screams in panic mode challenge? I don't know. So for Holy Moly, you're going to see like the ice cream. You're going to see like... Um, the windmill again. People love the windmill. And you know what? I'm glad they brought it back. So you're bringing those back. But then are you going to uh, see the watch the person get caught on fire challenge or watch the people get electrocuted again and again challenge? Because to me, that just that doesn't sound like a good hole. That, that sounds like challenges that you're going to watch once and then be disappointed by and then say no. A good challenge is something that's clever, smart. You can understand the rules because it's basically like a Mario Party minigame. And if you can figure out the rules and explain it in like two sentences, they're pretty good. And most of all, because this is a game show, I always have to keep reminding people, a key part of a game show is aspiration. You want to put yourself in the perspective of the contestant. Do you want to do this? Yes or no? If you don't want to do it, will you watch because you want to see that person suffer? Yes or no? Other than that, it doesn't work. And uh, lately, I've seen time and time again, the suffering no doesn't really fit anymore in today's television. No one really wants to see punishment games. They don't want to see challenges where it's, seeing people cry because they're hurt. They don't want to see suffering because they're already suffering. That just makes it worse. Uh, so I don't know if this is the right path, but there are things that are silly and whimsical and funny and goofy, and people love silly and goofy and messy and goofy. 
that might work. Keep going with that, and you might have good challenges. If you don't want to watch either of these two shows, um, or three, because holy moly, game on and ultimate tag, uh, YouTube, because obviously you have the internet. Um, the fine fee, the fine people at end them all have put out a YouTube channel, deal or no deal universe. And there's full episodes of both the U S and the UK version of deal or no deal. U S is the old school, Howie Mandel, 2000s NBC run, you know, hello ladies. Hi, Howie. Uh, and it's all in that four by three big money offers. There's the banker. And these are like high quality tapes. So I don't think this is really like a bootleg kind of situation. And it still holds up. A lot of these episodes still have that human drama aspect. I haven't done the deal or no deal episode of game shows. I suppose eventually I'll get to that. That's one of the biggest game shows to ever talk about on this podcast. That is uh, the McDonald's for the Doughboys, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, that that's the game show that makes me love game shows now. Like that's the because it's a human drama. It's breakdown moments. Every point of a game show is that risk reward element, and it works. Now you K version. It's a quarter million pounds, not a million, a quarter million. But there's still that character. You still get to know the contestants as we see a journey unfold. You still see big money offers. You still see how much 40,000 pounds means to somebody. And there's still like a good chance at a quarter million. It still fits. And there is that level of what a good bank offer is. I talked about this earlier today. When I see a lot of fan games of Deal or No Deal... It's kind of weird because you can kind of tell how want they want to be as a banker because they're either playing averages like, oh, if you have a million and you have uh, a penny left and you have 50,000 left, well, we'll offer uh, 32,5, something, 33333. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's either that or. You you just go. We'll give him like four hundred thousand dollars. We'll give him five hundred thousand dollars. Just just because you want to have a lot of money, and it just is overinflated. Or you're the stingy. Let's go two hundred. Let's go like fifty thousand. And it's like a super stingy. Almost clearly, they don't know how to do calculations or what the point of the banker is. And rewatching both the UK and the US version. It's clear. There is no like clear formula for what the bankers use to throw money on the contestants other than they want to have that right number that when they hear it, they sit down and go, oh, shit, like that's a good offer. Because uh, on the U.S. version, everything's if it, everything's 100 grand. It should be 100 grand. Otherwise, no damn banker. In the U.K. version, it's like, okay, uh, 26,000. What? I, well, okay, uh, and they think about it. That that I like. Uh, it is, of course, one of my all-time favorite game shows. That was last year's winner of the game show contest. This year's winner is Schlagden Rom, Schlagden Star, the uh, weird sports German game show uh, we talked about earlier with Travis Elberly. Uh, and, and on on the they actually have now on that channel full episodes. So, because of COVID-19, probably. Uh, so, Monday through Friday, they put one new episode up of Schlogged and Rob. And this is, like, a good three-hour video from game one to game 15, if it even gets that far. 
the only thing they cut out is the contests and the music license because of the like the the singing. So aside from that, in part of the video packages, uh, it's the full game. So you'll see every throw, every kick. Just no cut to commercial. We're going straight to the games. Game, 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 game. And it is one of the best ways to watch this show. I, I have been watching it. I have been loving it. I don't know a word of German. So when there's a quiz question, that's my cue to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's my cue to get a snack and then come back because in like 10 minutes, hey, we're onto a sports game and they're playing tennis or they're playing ice hockey or some other interesting game. Uh, so if you don't feel, don't feel stressed out because in the world of game shows, you have three new ones in the world of sport and my two favorite game shows, uh, deal or no deal and Schlugged and Rob, which is this year's winner are full episodes now on YouTube for free. Check it out. Please check it out. I've been having fun. I hope you do too. And that sound means we are out of time. And I can't figure out a better uh, klaxon noise to end the podcast. Anyway, thank you so much for stopping by, uh, listening to another great episode of Game Shows, I suppose. I have been Jordan Haas. You can check me out at Twitter at JordHaas, J-O-R-D-H-A. If you have Facebook, we are on Facebook.com slash Game Shows Podcast. If you want to listen to more episodes of this weird show, JordanHaas.com slash podcast. It's also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Who that whole rate and comment subscribe thing that I heard people enjoy so much. Let me know what game shows you want me to talk about for future episodes. There is a Discord available if you want to talk more about game shows with me and make friends along the way. I heard that's also a thing. Join me next week when I'll be talking about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch! ナンバーワン。その栄光を求めて忍びを削る英雄たち。それぞれが己の能力を極限まで高めてぶつかり合うその姿に我々はなぜこれほどまでに引きつけられるのか。それは我々の中に眠る闘争本能が光を求めて方